0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Peaks and Valleys podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Coggins, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle Richley. In this podcast, we talk about coffee, culture, and mental health. Thanks for joining, and we hope you enjoy this episode. What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Peaks and Valleys podcast. On this podcast, we talk about coffee, culture, and mental health. I'm your host, Jonathan Coggins, and I'm joined by my co-host, the one and only Kyle Ridgely. What's up? Today on the podcast, we have um, a special guest, a very dear friend of ours from college, um, Jessica Harris. Um, She is now a social worker... Um, working towards um, her licensure as mental health professional, correct, Jessica?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I have a, a master's degree in social work, and yeah. I am right now considered a registered clinical social worker intern, working to become a licensed clinical social worker. So all of those wonderful, crazy words.
0: Titles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're glad to have you on here, Jessica, and just have this conversation specifically um, what we're talking about today is um, trauma and how that that works, how it affects us, how to walk with somebody um, that has experienced trauma um, and is just kind of the science to look for of trauma being played out in somebody's life. Um, Jessica, I'll get a, give it over to you to just share a little bit about who you are, um, a little bit about your story, how you got into doing what you do, um, and, and just whatever you, know, you want to share with our listeners.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm totally thrilled to be able to be a part of this and to be able to have this platform to talk about trauma. And that is one of our like hot button topics right now in the mental health world is talking about trauma and things like trauma-informed care and, you know, how trauma affects us and the different types. And, you know, if you search it on Google, there's so many different things that'll come up. Um, but, you know, right now I work with, um, at-risk youth and also, As a side job, I work with veterans as well. And um, so there's a lot of trauma that I deal with on a daily basis with the people that I serve. um, And then as well, you know, in my personal life, um, just like everybody else, you know, on the planet, everything has not always been easy for me and experiencing divorce and the different things that happen in life. You know, I've experienced my own trauma and, um, learning how to deal with those things and learning how to, uh, continue on and do something positive with that. So those are I think that is one of the main reasons why I turned to social work to do something positive with the negativity uh, that was placed in front of me um, so that I have a little bit of background knowledge on how some people, some clients, you know, would be feeling. Um, And so there's an identifying, you know, factor that I have there
0: yeah yeah it's kind of like um just beauty from ashes like taking a you know bad situation and you know growing and learning and and using that for you know a, a positive impact in the world shifting culture around trauma and social work and mental health working with um the youth that you work with um, just using your story of pain um, to impact others for good. Like that, that's a beautiful thing to me. Um, And I am really glad we're having this conversation um, because one thing that I've, I've noticed this year um, and I I'm still learning, you know, I I think we're all on a a journey of understanding things deeper. Um, But, but I've noticed this year that, um, especially Christians um, kind of have a, a fundamental misunderstanding of how trauma works in somebody's life. An example that that I'll use um, is when you know we we saw the the racial things, injustice, the racial tensions happened this, happened this year. You know from. Ahmad Aubrey um, to George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, and then the Black community. Um, there, there was rioting, there was um, looting, there was anger, there was frustration, and then so many people, you know, looked at that and said, "Evil," or um, "Marxist," or all these kind of Caricatures that we've created, yeah. and and misunderstanding that no, nobody wants a city burned down. Right. Um, nobody wants writing and businesses to be broken into. Nobody wants that. But I think there's a level of empathy that needs to come in um, to realize that that's that's compounded trauma. When you see when somebody in the black community sees a George Floyd happen,
1: right?
0: You know, um, and so understanding where that may be a bad manifestation of the trauma, but having empathy and saying, okay, there there is some collective trauma through history of injustice in America.
1: Absolutely, and you know, I'm I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's. Um, one of, so there's like, there's all kinds of different types of trauma, but there's like five um, top types of trauma that are labeled and have different, um, different meanings behind them. And what you're talking about with the black community um, is what we call historical trauma or generational trauma, you know, in the, the traumatic events that we know in our country, especially that black Americans um, have gone through such egregious abuse and trauma for years and years and years. And, you know, when people, um, you know, are finally standing up and saying we've had enough and, We are not going to allow this to happen anymore. While I may be able to say where I sit right now, you know, that's not how I would respond. I am not, I can't be 100% mad that black Americans responded that way because they're angry and they're upset and they've had enough. And they're, you know, trying to stand up um, against this generational trauma. And trying to make the world and especially our country a better place for other Black Americans.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I also like one one other thought that I had about that, um, and specifically, you know, talking about you know Christians, like um, we are not completely spiritual beings like God we are we are human beings we are there are complexities like in our bodies and our minds and so you know we I, I think we tend to lean towards this over spiritualization of things and you know just everybody gets saved and you know just you know pray it away Yeah. um but this this Also, this misunderstanding of, so God has created us as complex beings. And so the way that he has created us, I believe he cares for us holistically also in those ways, like understanding that we do have trauma that we go through, um, that we can address, that we do have depression that we go through, you know, like just understanding that we're more than just simply spiritual beings that you know prayer and just having enough faith is always the answer um realizing that we have complex trauma in our lives realizing that we have depression and these the, the way that god has created us is complex human beings you know the way our body works and the way that we react to life like um instead of ignoring them like addressing them, you know? Um, so, yeah.
1: No, and I think, you know, um, trauma is not a new thing, you know? It's not brand new for people to experience traumatic events. I think if we think about um, even Jesus's life and the walk that he had, and especially when he knew that he was going towards the end of his life, and he knew that he, his life was going to end by dying on the cross, um, he experienced a lot of traumatic things, you know, people betraying him, and people, um, you could say things, you know, like, hate speech being used towards him, and, um, just all kinds of stuff, and he, you know, Jesus being who he was questioned a lot, you know, and asked, asked, um, the question, you know, if, if there's any other way for this to be done, you know, let it, let it be so, but if not, you know, then I'll, then I'll do what you want me to do, you know, and that's obviously my own paraphrasing of that, you know, but he, I don't, he was not without experiencing trauma. And, um, you know, he had human qualities as well, and he, you know, reacted to things too. I always you know, one of my favorite things to remind people is that, is Jesus when he flipped the tables of the uh, tax collectors? Was it the tax collectors? yeah
2: Uh, but in the temple
0: temple. money money changers yeah money changers
1: yeah so when jesus split the tables you know he was angry and so he was you know didn't like what was going on and wanted there to be change brought out from that and i can only think of that you know partially with the, with Black Americans standing up and saying, you know, we've had enough. And I, um, while I don't understand what they've been through, because I could never understand that, and I would never want to pretend like I do, um, I, I understand why they are being so vocal about it. Because mm. everything that has happened before has seemingly not been enough. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, that point that you hit on, like, you know, that's like the exact thought I have, um, that, well, yes, like Jesus, like he wholeheartedly like chose to give up his life or ours. But that moment where he was like, father, if there's any other way, like take this cup for me, like, there's any other way um so you know like like you were saying like that human experience like he can he can relate like in our suffering um yeah hmm. what are fl- flipping to um a question for you jessica what are in in your work in in the you know, the, the field that you work in, the work that you've done. Um, what are some signs that you've seen or that you know of when, um, like somebody is experiencing some sort of trauma in their life? What are, what are some of those things to observe and look for and kind of tell you it's time to, you know, step in and, you know, walk with this person, get them some help, um, what, what, are, what are some signs and things to look for that you can um, kind of point people to?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. And, you know, um, I was actually looking at some of the signs and symptoms of experiencing or dealing with traumatic events earlier. And um, it seems like, uh, you know, a lot of the, symptoms, we can call them, are similar to, you know, a lot of other things, which is not always helpful, but I think these physical, so there are physical and there are emotional um, symptoms of trauma. And I think if you're picking up on these kinds of symptoms at all, you know that the person that you know, your friend, your loved one, is going through something. And that's such a great place to start. And so, physical symptoms of trauma that are listed are things like being easily startled, um, always being on guard. You know, for that person, not so much of you, they would have a racing heartbeat, and um, you can pick up on that, depending on what that's like. if they're complaining of like just being achy, um experiencing a lot of fatigue, having difficulty concentrating, being really agitated and um or talking a lot, i think one of the the biggest physical symptoms that um you know should put up a red flag for you is experiencing insomnia or um night terrors. Mm. And then, so that's just the physical symptoms. And then you have the emotional and the psychological symptoms, um, which are things like experiencing, um, shock or denial, um, feeling unsafe more often than you're feeling safe. Um, again, with the irritability and anger, um, mood swings, having lots of, um, issues with guilt or feelings of shame, um, having depression or, you know, being vocal about feelings of hopelessness or helplessness. Um, Really focusing and kind of having a lot of thoughts on whatever traumatic event that was there. Um, And then, you know, because all of those things are in that person's um, mind, um, having difficulty concentrating again that's that's listed on both and I think that's so important um, hmm. having difficulty trusting, experiencing um, severe anxiety or even fear um, hmm. and hmm. Um, withdrawing from others and so I know you know some of those seem like the same kind of symptoms of suicide but I think that, any of these things, while, um, you know, just a a person that may not have the background knowledge of what trauma is or how to pull apart, you know, is it suicide or is it trauma, knowing that these kinds of things are a red flag, um, and being able to start offering support for that person, no matter what it is. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah um yeah uh one one point i want to kind of hit on that you said in that which i think is super important and i think kyle had a um had some thoughts um but you were talking about you know shame and, and guilt that somebody has walked through a traumatic experience they might be carrying you know this guilt and shame um i think we we need to you know empathy is the word that always comes to mind um we need to learn how to disarm shame disarm guilt um an an example that that i can think of um is like whenever you hear some instance of um sexual abuse from a man in power And then, you know, the victims come out and then, you know, you hear some victim blaming and, um, you know, there's just like, you know, shame and and guilt around it. And I think we need to learn how to disarm shame and disarm guilt and see that person as a person, um, and not the experience that they've walked through, you know, Mm -hmm. um,
2: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Jessica. It was very helpful. Um, very, it gives a lot of insight to what we're talking about on this particular podcast. Um, I want to, I want to kind of elaborate more on uh, the idea of. We've already talked about what you know, kind of what are the, some of the symptoms or the main symptoms of uh, post-traumatic stress or, or uh, trauma-related stress, um, could you tell us a little bit more about what happens in the brain level when you are uh, faced with a, what we would call a traumatic experience, what, what typically happens in the brain for those kind of things to, to go off and, and, and what have you?
1: yeah, so I think you know, I was looking earlier, and I went to um I just searched was looking for a comprehensive um, definition of um, what trauma is. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want this giant definition of of trauma and all kinds of crazy words. um and so I found this definition. Um, from the Oxford dictionary, um, that stated that trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Hmm. Um, and those words, you know, like distressing and disturbing are, um, heavy words by themselves. Hmm. Um, but then we have, so trauma, you know, is, is when stress becomes too intense and um, has physical and emotional responses, just like you know I listed. Um, and those responses, when when those when that stress response becomes too much, um, what it does is it oftentimes triggers um, one of three things. It's going to trigger um, your fight, flight, or freeze response, mm-hmm. um, and the, the, that response, the fight, flight, or freeze um, is what can lead to post-traumatic stress disorder. And that is our biggest, you know, um, diagnosis of, uh, trauma, a trauma event. PTSD is, is the largest and most well-known, um, diagnosis that comes out of trauma. And so, um, the DSM-5, which is the giant textbook that counselors and, and mental health um, professionals use to diagnose uh, their clients, um, they, the DSM-5 defines PTSD um, as the exposure to actual or threatened death Mm. serious injury or sexual violence. And it gives mm. us some um, like specifiers. It says either by directly experiencing a traumatic event, witnessing the event in person. So witnessing that event happened to somebody else, um, learning that the event happened to a close family member or friend, um, and then experiencing repeated or extreme exposure Um, to a trauma. And so Mm. they give us an example for that one. That one's like, you know, first response, (laughs) first responders um, collecting human remains. And so, Mm. um, you know, having to see something horrific um, over and over and over again. Mm. And so that is the comprehensive, definition that, you know, our um, big manual of everything gives to us, Um, you know, and there's so much more involved in it, and I'm not going to bore everybody with the specifics of it. If you're that interested, I'm sure you can find an excerpt about, um, from the DSM-5 regarding PTSD and all of the specifics about it. Um, but I want to go into I know that I brought up the historical trauma or the generational trauma, and those those names have been um interchangeable, but I think it's important to note the other um larger types of trauma that they um, that that we see and that we you know have names for and um we see people um most often and so we have what we would call um complex trauma hmm. so that's the is defined as the exposure to multiple uh, simultaneous or prolonged traumatic stress and so an example for that would be repeated abuse or something like multiple deployments to a dangerous war zone. And so that I feel like for a really long time was the only definition of PTSD or trauma that we honored um, because PTSD for so long was what we diagnosed veterans or um, service members with. And while that's so true, that they experience those things and they experience uh, complex trauma. Um, you know, that's not the only one. So we've got complex mm. trauma. We've got the generational trauma that we already talked about. Um, secondary trauma or also known as vicarious trauma. Um, so that's when a person experiences trauma related symptoms in response to helping others who have experienced traumatic events. And so that can often show itself um, in people who are in helping professions. Um, and I know you guys did some, did a podcast with, about self-care and so that's when that comes into play too. You know, working as a self, working in the helping profession have to make sure that I am taking care of myself so I don't experience secondary trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have um, racial or ethnic trauma. And so those are the um, racial or ethnic trauma is uh, race or ethnicity related experiences that involve discrimination or prejudice or racism. And the examples that we have for that are things like hate speech, workplace discrimination, or even community violence. Hmm. And the and the last one um, is what's called minority trauma. And while that's similar to the racial or ethnic uh, trauma, um, minority trauma involves chronic levels of stress faced by members of stigmatized minority groups. And I think. Um, one of the biggest ones to highlight for that um, would be members of a, the LGBT community hmm. um, and experiencing discrimination or violence as a response to who they are, as a response hmm. to their sexual orientation, identity, or expression. Um, and so that's like a crash course in the five um, most known types of trauma Um, but i think that those are really great to know and be aware of um, because they can manifest themselves in different ways Mm. and Mm. um, having that empathy for the person and knowing you know what they're struggling with if they're um, they feel like they can be open and honest with you about what's happened um that's great you know that they would want to share hmm. their trauma with you
2: hmm. yeah that's a a, a very uh, sacred place to be I think for someone who has experienced trauma uh, or multiple traumas uh, to really feel like they can trust someone enough to hold their story um i think that that's a, a really powerful thing when uh someone a, any story really but for those who have experienced a traumatic event um having that trust with that person because oftentimes uh individuals who've experienced uh tr- stress uh related to trauma uh, don't like to tr- can't really have that trust response that they would because they have been mistreated by it could have been a person a family member um you know, people are involved in some of these traumas that they've experienced. So thank you for hitting on that and uh, being willing to kind of share. And for the listeners, I know that we always we talk about big topics in mental health because uh, we just want to inform you um, because mental health, it, it's it's been around forever. But I mean, just in the context we live in today and as we as we grow and, and as we uh, see that this world, there's a lot of things that go on that could produce this type of uh, traumatic response. And so I think just what we're trying to accomplish here today is just to, to inform you, to, to kind of let you know about what it, what does it look like? What does it look like to see that in a, in a person that you uh, may do life with every day? Maybe a family member, maybe a close friend or a colleague that you may work with that may be experiencing uh, some of these these signs and and knowing uh, just just being there for them. I think the most important thing to remember, and we'll get into more uh, because I want to hint on uh, really on this this podcast more about what are practical ways uh, as a layperson, as a person who is not a mental health professional, uh, we talk a lot about equipping those uh, who are not in the mental health field to walk alongside people who are hurting, um, and, and really creating this, this team care system around this person, um, that that's really needed. And so I think one thing that is very important to remember when you're uh, walking alongside someone who has experienced a traumatic event, uh, or experiencing post-traumatic, uh, stress, uh, type of symptoms is that, the, the, the safety is a big thing. Uh, we want to make sure they feel safe. Um, and and that's a complex issue to talk about because, uh, a lot of times they're in and out of, of kind of spaces. They may be even talking to you and sharing their story. They may be reliving that experience Mm -hmm. and they don't feel safe because they feel like they're constantly in this, in this world of, of hypervigilance that's a, another kind of symptom that you would and I think maybe Jessica hinted at a little bit but just always looking over your shoulder looking out for danger uh where there may not be any um so hypervigilance is always uh what's at the forefront of of individuals minds have experienced a type of traumatic event so helping them feel safe so um maybe maybe they have a close friend that maybe that that would be better if if that friend went along with them to uh, a counseling appointment uh, maybe they would feel safer with somebody to trust like a mother or a father or maybe a dog I know that uh, therapy animals are great additions uh, for uh, mental health professionals maybe they need their dog present yeah um, you know creating those spaces uh, where they feel safe uh, I wouldn't I don't push the issue on their story um, because that, that 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 can be a little intrusive uh, to people who already are so hyper vigilant and they're already on edge and they don't trust uh, a lot of times in these situations and also they don't feel safe sharing their story. So uh, I think key is to 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 kind of gradually, Um, kind of a kind of walk with that person. So I think a one powerful way for maybe uh, or in a practical way to help someone as a layperson is practical assistance. I think that that is probably one without saying words, you're serving them, maybe uh, simply going and getting them some groceries, or maybe taking them to a doctor's appointment. Maybe uh, that might be hey, I'm going to come over and cut your grass today or or whatever that may be. But I think practical assistance is very powerful. Um, I also think that uh, presence is very important. Just being with someone, um, just that that whole uh, ministry of presence, if you will, um, with a person who's struggling with with a number of many things, but especially with trauma, just this that presence with that person is so powerful, just being there for them in those moments. Uh, so Jessica, w- with saying that, or do you? Uh, what would you say are some other practical ways to assist someone as a lay person, as someone who is just doing everyday life with their neighbor who may be experiencing these types of things?
1: Yeah, I mean, as a lay person, or even, uh, you know, a person that's not involved in the in the mental health world um i i think that um number 1 you you touching on um you know doing things for them that could seemingly be difficult for them at the moment mm-hmm. you know like getting them some groceries or bringing them a meal or mowing their lawn um or you know usually seemingly easy tasks when we're whole and we're mm-hmm. in a good space mentally, um, but may just seem too big for them mm-hmm. um, would be such a great gift to provide to them and would communicate to them um, that you are there and that you are in their corner and you're on their team and you're, you know, will do anything in your power to help them. But I also think even not, if, if you have no training at all in mental health, and you don't, you know, have a bunch of knowledge, you don't have to have a bunch of knowledge to be there for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so one of the, I think what's been labeled as one of the most cliche, um, clinical terms, but I think it's one of the most important terms is to have a non-judgmental environment for that person, mm. so mm. that if they want to share, that they know that you're safe, and they mm. know that you're welcoming, and you're gonna approach it um, with a non-judgmental mindset, so that no matter what they bring to the table about whatever's happened, um, that. They will be a, they will be able to you know be open and share with you about it and I think uh, I read some years ago and I think it um, just stems from a training that I took um, that was specific to um, trauma informed care um, and it was a it was a statement that was made that it has echoed in my head, um, throughout my time in working mental health and I'm sure it'll continue is changing our conversation from the question of what's wrong with you to changing that to the question of what happened to you. Um, mm, uh, mm. you know, the question, what's wrong with you already seems is seemingly negative mm. and, um, there is some blame that's already placed in that question, mm-hmm. and asking what happened to you is that non judgmental environment and opens that up. And, um, you know, that's a freebie. You don't need any education for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that just makes the person feel like you are there for them and you are on their side and that you're not blaming them for anything. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: um, one one point that, um, I'll kind of say from all that, um, and, and you know something that you were just talking about, you know, this kind of connects with that. for For me, as um, somebody that follows Jesus and wants to love people in that way and walk with people in that way, um, kind of how. I approach, and I, I think we all, as Christ followers, should approach it. Is this person that's sitting in front of me, that's hurting, this experienced trauma? You know, like this person is made in the image of God. This person has a, a Creator and a Father that loves them. You know, and so when, when I want me when I approach it that way, I know that with that. Um, Jesus is relational with me, so he wants me to be relational with others. Yeah. and that means um, hearing people's stories. you know right. um, And so to the point that you you just you know mentioned Jessica, like you know what happened to you? What happened to you? what what's your story? I want to build a relationship with you. you know yeah. I don't want to see you as you know what's wrong with you, your problem to be fixed you know um but but rather I'll, i I want to walk with you i want to hear your story i want to hear your pain um so i can walk with you so so i can resource you so i can so i can connect you with um those counselors or, or people um, that have the tools to help you um mm-hmm. so i think that's a great great point jessica like you know instead of you know asking like what's wrong with you like mm-hmm what's your story? Like what happened to you? Like how, how can I listen and, and feel with you and, and walk with you? Hmm. Um, I think one, one last question I have um, is, you know, you, you, you mentioned uh, um, in your story, you've, you've had some um, traumatic experiences um, in your life. What are, what are some practical ways for you personally, um, through, through those traumatic experiences, like, what are some ways that you have walked through that, that you have cared for yourself, um, that, that you have gotten through those seasons of trauma? Um, what are some practical ways that Jessica has, has walked through those seasons?
1: Yeah. So I think, um, you know, at the beginning of it all, nobody, is prepared or nobody expects Hmm. Hmm. um, traumatic events to happen to them. You know, while we may know how to handle them, we may have the head knowledge or we know on paper um, how to handle them. It's so different when you experience some type of trauma. And I think for me, um, what it came down to was I knew that I needed to seek help. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that there is any shame in reaching out for help. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and one of the things that I say oftentimes is that even therapists uh, need a therapist, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, we are holding, I hold some people's most intimate and um, seemingly, you know, scary information. And that can be some of that secondary trauma and so, you know, with my own trauma, seeking out help and seeking out counseling, and then um, surrounding myself with people that I knew I trusted and that I knew had my back um, and that I could talk with openly and honestly and have that non judgmental environment. I think that's so important um, to have and to have those people, even if it's, you know, identify one person at first, one person, two people, even if it's a small circle, to have those people that know and can understand uh, where you're at and can and can check on you and um you know it's not one of those things that I'm not saying that you have to tell everybody your story, you know because it's yours. And if you don't want everybody to know the hmm big, ugly details, because trauma can be, you know, this messy thing. Not everybody has to know. Um, Mm -hmm. But having those people that you identify, and so I think out of it all, I think the bottom line, you know, for me, I knew that I couldn't do it alone. Um, I could not be alone. And so having those identified people that we're safe and that we're trustworthy um, and coupling that with seeking professional help. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if it's just for someone to look at you and say, Hey, you're responding to this like any person would um, so that you have some assurance that you are not crazy and that you, you know, something is not just horrifically wrong. Um, Sometimes we need that reminder that we are having a common response to a horrific event. Um, But I think out of that, too, you know, I do like some self checks on myself periodically in life. And I think out of those big, ugly, messy things that of trauma and all of all of that and the life experiences and all of that, I created, um, you know, my life motto. It's pretty short and, and, and comprehensive. Um, so I can do a quick self check on myself, um, occasionally or as many times in the day as I need to, um, because I want to make sure that I have three things. And so my, my goal in life is to make sure that I am happy and healthy and safe. And if I am in a place where one of those three things is not met, um, you know, chances are I need to take a step back and um, see what I need to do. Do I need to seek professional help? Do I need to f- speak to those people, that, those identified people for me Um and be open and just get some feedback from them, you know. um, I think that's important. Um, Really, really focusing on um, not, not being alone. You know, you are not an island. You are not to walk through trauma by yourself. Um, and we were not created to be alone. You know, we were not created to do life alone. Um, and so I think that while we may feel like we want to isolate and we may feel like, um, you know, that would make it better. Um, it actually does the opposite and it makes it worse. And so Mm -hmm. even if we have to force ourselves out there, um, to speak to our people, um, I think that that's the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, because most of the time, those people, your identified people that love you and care about you, hmm. will be able to encourage you. Hey, if you need professional help, they, uh, they'll they be able to encourage you. And um, I think like Kyle said before, even if you feel like you can't go to seek a professional by yourself the first time or the second time, you know, or the third time or however long it takes. Um, a professional will let you bring someone into a session with them as long as, you know, you give your permission. Um, and so I think, I think those things are most important. You're not alone. Don't Mm -hmm. try to do it alone. Um, and have that identified person or people, that you know you can turn to uh, hmm. to hmm. to help you out
2: yeah I think we we, we try we strive to uh, any any podcast that we do we always strive to mention that uh, the doing life alone is deadly and um, having that group of people around you uh, you know life is hard it's sticky it's messy um, having those people around you is so important and if you are someone who's dealing with uh, depression or trauma or whatever it may be, struggling with something that's heavy in your life, and I can speak on my own behalf and where I was in my darkest days, I didn't want to be around people. I, I you know, I, I isolated myself. That, that's that's the natural lean for for those of us who have experienced uh, some dark days, yeah. um, but we, we just we have to like our life depended on it. We have to strive to put ourselves in those positions where we have people that we can trust um, that encourage us, that lift us up. Um, that walk with us and really do genuinely care about us. And so um, I know it's hard. I, know I, I can speak from experience, but it's so important. It is so important to uh, avoid isolation uh, because it ultimately d- leads to more despair and uh, confusion and just more darkness. And I think that just those, those groups of people around you really bring, uh, they kind of almost open the curtain, if you will. And so whatever you're doing or whatever, excuse me, whatever you're experiencing, you know. And so with that, I think one last thing uh, that I would hint on or what we would talk about is for you, Jessica, asking um, the question, um, what are some resources that you as a mental health professional uh, could provide to our listeners that may be helpful if they wanted to learn more Um about uh this particular topic um maybe want to be more informed and uh, be able to help others what would you suggest for that
1: yeah so i think um even just a simple google search is going to provide you with so much information and Hmm. it can be quite overwhelming um but I, i I did a couple of searches of my own earlier to just see what was out there, um, for, for people. And, um, I think I would put a disclaimer on it that because trauma is so vast and it's such a big topic, mm. um, that there's so many different things that you mm. find. Um, you know but we live in a day and age where we have everything at our fingertips and so i think searching it and but honestly i i think one of the best things is if you are dealing with the effects of a traumatic event um to to get help because that's not gonna go away hmm. um you know, and, and I think, you know, being an advocate and kind of being vocal about, you know, so let's say you are not a person that's ex- experienced a traumatic event or, um, you know, dealing with any kind of trauma. I think being vocal about that you're an advocate for people that are and being that lighthouse, so to speak, um, hmm you know, saying you can come talk to me and I will be in your corner and I will advocate for your health and for your safety. Um, I think that that's so important. And there's so many different trainings and there's so many different classes and courses and, and things out there that you could take. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that just being mindful And I think some of the things, you know, about having just some basic knowledge about mental health um, is really good to start with. And then, of course, there's all kinds of stuff that you can get involved in, like taking the uh, first aid, the mental health first aid courses and um, those types of things that um, I think it's Mental Health USA that does two different kinds of courses that I've taken before. And it's a mental health first aid and they have a youth mental health and first aid. And um, while it seemingly doesn't sound like much different on the surface than just your regular run of the mill first aid, what it does, um, you know, mental health first aid course focuses more on adults and then the youth mental health first aid course focuses more on adolescents or children. Um, it gets really specific into um, how to handle a person that may be experiencing some kind of effects of trauma, and even gets into suicidality and, and all kinds of different um, mental health needs. And um, that course, those those two courses are all across the United States, um, and is written in such a way that even if you don't have any kind of mental health training, you'll be able to understand it and you'll be able to, to wrap your head around it and, um, receive some really good information that you will be able to remember. And, um, I, I think that that is a seemingly basic training that, I would, you know, if if I could, you know, I would be able to provide it to everybody in the, in, in our country, you know, so we would all be informed in some kind of way. Mm. And so mm. uh, there should be some person in every area, no matter where you're at, that you're hearing this from, that teaches that course in the United States. Mm. Uh, you know, that disclaimer, it is specific to our country. Um, but I think that's a really good place to start.
0: Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll link that in the, in the podcast notes. So you guys have that link just in case you're interested in taking that course, um, that mental health first aid for adults and for adolescents. So I'll link that. So you guys have it. Um, if you want to check it out, um, and and get equipped, um, for this mental health journey, um, And specifically, you know, walking with people that have experienced trauma. Um, Jessica, thank you so much for um, coming on here and having this conversation about trauma um, and and helping us and our listeners gain a better understanding of trauma um, and how it works in our lives and, and how to actually walk with people that has experienced traumatic events and kind of what to look for.
1: Absolutely. I'm extremely thankful and uh, grateful and feel blessed to have been asked to do it and to be able to connect with you guys in this kind of way.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Jessica, for uh, just simply sharing your story, too. I think that's powerful, too, and um, allowing us to hear maybe not been all of it, but uh, just hear that, you know, people who uh, work with others and who, who are known to be professionals struggle too. Yeah. Uh, I think that's so powerful, um, to recognize is that, you know, most of the time people who are in mental health professions, uh, were called out of those times of great despair, um, those times of, of great, uh, sorrow and, and maybe some trauma. Um, and so just know that, uh, There are people out there that really want to hear your story. Um, There are people out there who really do want to help you um, and genuinely help you because a lot of us um, have went through one season or another or multiple or still walking through some seasons uh, where we feel uh, in darkness. Um, And so I I would encourage you to to reach out. Um, If you have any questions or anything like that, feel free to reach out to us um, and uh, on the Peaks and Valleys Facebook page and Instagram page. And, uh,
0: yeah. So thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. Um, thanks again, Jessica. And, um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, if you like this podcast, um, make sure to leave us a review. Um, let us know what you think, and we will catch you guys on the next episode of the Peaks and Valleys podcast.